The Athletic. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly sponsored by Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. They've had their warning. They've had their warning. Here's Lucy Bronze! That is remarkable from Arsenal. Kirby with the ball up towards Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Coming up, Manchester City take a hammering, Chelsea's Kirby hits a new kind of hat-trick to shoot down the seagulls, and North London rivals top the table after Kim Little's 150th goal for the Gunners. Joining myself, Lindsay Hooper, it's Kate Borsay and former Lioness Laura Bassett. Uh, Bass as we know her, Kate, don't we? Known her for some time. <laughs> we black sure eye do. And all sorts, yeah. <laughs> um, it always how, comes up. It always comes up. How have you found the start of the season? And do you think that there are signs that things have changed from seasons gone by? Oh, straight in with the big questions, Lindsay. Um, I've been really enjoying <laughs> this this season. Obviously, having the last couple of years in the NWSL and in Orlando. So coming back, um, I know I covered a few games last year, but... Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it, and what we've had some upsets, we've had some talking points, drama, um, some apps, the quality of goals that I've seen so far. I've just you just have to stand, clap, and appreciate, and something that I was never able to do. So I appreciate it even more. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a nice position to be in. Um, of course, Laura Bassett, you've got a real vested interest in the WSL. You might be able to sit back and enjoy it all now, but of course, your partner's Mark Skinner in charge at Manchester United. And that's, that's I guess, added a whole new dynamic to it as well. Yeah, it really has. I don't cope well of being the partner of a, a manager at all. <laughs> I know through years, my mum and dad were always say, I, I was, I'd say to my parents, do you, do you enjoy the game? No, hated it, nervous, couldn't watch, was, <laughs> oh, you know, the range of emotions. And I was like, oh, just, you know, it's all fine. Just get on with it. And now I totally appreciate, I hate it. I hate every minute. Actually, I'm really thankful to take Sadie to some of the games because I've got that diversion if I ever need it so I'm just right let's play snap or let's play Paw Patrol or whatever it is rather than watch the game I think I need that distraction I'm a nervous wreck. (laughs) Have you had to have that conversation at home between the two of you which when you're doing your punditry and we've had you on Sky Sports coverage I know um, have you said I've got to be impartial Mark sometimes I'm just going to have to just say it as it is. (laughs) Stick it in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah I think I think consciously I'd stay away from covering Manchester United games obviously I have an opinion about all, all the games on a you know a roundup like this but you know all seriously I think I would be the I wouldn't be too kind I'd be over harsh so I yes, think that, that's, that's how I'd be think too I'd critical be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah because you know I couldn't sugarcoat it um, and sometimes maybe that's not fair so yeah I, I need to just be a, a fangirl <laughs> to be honest before we get you to do just that then, Bass, and um, remain impartial and maybe go in two-footed, who knows what's going to happen? We'll have to wait to find out. <laughs> we'll get into all of the action in just a moment. Uh, first of all, we will talk moments of the WSL. Moments of the Women's Super League with Now. Watch the big moments from the WSL live with a Now Sports membership. That's right. Well, from now on, we'll be bringing you our moments of the WSL. West Ham caused the biggest upset of the weekend against Manchester City, but there were some other standout performances that we didn't want to fly under the radar. 
Yeah, and for this very first one, Kate already has been outspoken about this on WhatsApp messages before the outage. Um, She (laughs) spotted a shooting star in a stellar side, didn't you? I certainly did. I'm talking Chelsea and Guru Wrighton. Of course, Chelsea won against Brighton, but I think a large part of that is due to Guru Wrighton. She got the first goal for Chelsea on nine minutes, and that really um, told you a lot about her participation in the game. It was a was a nicely worked finish, that goal from the corner of the area. Um, but what we saw from Guru Wrighton afterwards was that most of Chelsea's best attacking play came through her. She was combining brilliantly, Lindsay, with Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr. We know how strong they are up front. And I think, you know, after having a bit of a haphazard season last season, she only started nine times for Chelsea. Um, this game will cement Guru Wrighton uh, rightly amongst that team of megastars. So I'm really pleased for her as a player. She did such amazing things over in Norway, uh, came over having been Norway's top scorer of the season, came over to the to the WSL. So I'm really pleased to see her settling in to this to this new side and uh, with such tough competition as well. Interesting that you chose her as well, Kate, because I was at that match uh, reporting for Sky and it was a real toss up, I think, between Frank Kirby, who got player of the match, and Guru Wrighton. And I'm going to stick with Chelsea because of Kirby getting this hat trick of assists. It's the first time she's done that in her career. Um, And I think that we've seen that her providing and her creativity leading to goals has been as essential to this Chelsea team as her scoring them. And and she rightly gets the plaudits when she she scores some crackers. But um, I I felt it was important to shine a a light on what she'd done here with the three assists for different goal scorers as well. I'm going to bring in Laura, though, as soon as we've both gone Chelsea and we've gone for the Blues... Uh, I've got two really that I can't decide. My first one would be Katie McCabe. I was there at Villa Park. Um, <laughs> yeah. That that goal, that chip, the you know she we know her technical qualities that she has, but the way she executed it, I'm not too sure how many in the league would have been able to. Um, but just her confidence and the you know it was just yeah to be there live to see that was great. But then also I would you know I need to give my uh, good friend who I played with many times Rachel Williams a big shout out. I think she's quarter everything that Tottenham's produced so far this season and getting a a goal and an assist um, at a hometown the King Power Leicester um, I think was sensational. So it's a big moment for her personally. I think. Oh, she's a Leicester girl, is she? Leicester girl, yeah. She played for the club. Um, I don't know if she played at the King Power before. Probably not, because Leicester have only played there this season. Oh, that um, adds also another dimension. Yeah. Well, she's a big Jamie Vardy fan as well, so I can imagine her celebrating at the <laughs> King Power, thinking, thinking she was Jamie Vardy, giving it lots. I think all her um, friends and family were in the um, stadium because of COVID. They haven't really been able to get down to, to Spurs much. So I just think personally, and that's maybe obviously knowing her personally as well, a good friend of mine. I think that's a special moment for her and, and her team that, that are doing so well. She's having a brilliant renaissance, isn't she? she? She certainly is. I'm really, really pleased for her too. This week, we have the privilege of having Erin Cuthbert on the show. We're going to hear more from her later on. But from the heart of the Chelsea camp, let's find out what she thinks. I think you're pretty spot on there, to be honest. Um, I thought Guru's performance was tremendous. I wasn't even getting the ball on the right side because everything was going down her side. I was like, aye, does anyone want to pass to me? And everyone was like, nah, we're going down the left. I was like, all right, okay. So she was getting past her player every time. I think they were locking off my side a little bit more and she was getting more space to drive. But she certainly took that space and, and took it well and she took her goal really well. 
in the box. She's had the composure to take a touch and, and slot it in the far corner. But she's definitely added more dimensions to our game. And me and, and Guru are really close friends. And I think last year it was always sort of me or Guru playing. And we have a joke this year that, that's, uh, that says, yeah, let's make it me and you playing, both wingbacks. We were both wingers and then it was me or her playing in the team. And, and now it's me and her. So hopefully we're trying to get it to stay that way as, as a little personal joke. And we're, we're trying to make a competition of... How we, I said, let's make a competition of assists. And I said, in fact, let's not do that because I know you're too good at assists. <laughs> I was like, well, let's do goals. And then she's, she's gone and scored as well. So um, we're having a little bit of a joke with that. From that, Kate, it sounds like you're going to get this one, doesn't it? Erin um, certainly siding with I you. I win. Hurrah, the first for one. moment of the week. <laughs> and we've got more from Erin coming up later. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch all the Sky Sports action from two live matches from the Women's Super League. This weekend, it's a doubleheader on Sunday as Chelsea face Leicester, followed by Arsenal up against Everton. Watch it all for 9.99 with a Now Sports Day membership. There was an additional moment of the week for me, Linz, and that was Emma Hayes, Chelsea manager, after their win. And she called it a bad week for women. Well, she used another word, but uh, essentially calling it a bad week for women. We'd found out earlier on in the week the kind of awful details of what happened to Sarah Everard in the last 24, 48 hours of her life. And she referenced that and about safety for women, but also the allegations connected to the NWSL top league in women's US soccer. There is an investigation uh, that is taking place at the moment and there's been uh, resignations as well, but it all connects to a coach called Paul Riley. He denies the allegations uh, against him. The Athletic and Meg Linehan actually has been the journalist behind this um, behind this big reveal, um, she's worked, I know, for an awful long time getting testimony uh, from two players who were under the guidance of Paul Riley. Um, he has since been fired by North Carolina Courage. There are allegations relating to his time at Portland Thorns as well. And it has opened up a real conversation. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about it. For all the information on this, actually, it's worth spending some time really sort of catching up on this story if our listeners haven't heard too much about about it. Uh, the Athletic Football Podcast are going to be doing an interview this week with Meg Linehan, who broke the story. And you can also read more about it on the Athletic's website as well. Go to theathletic.com forward slash WSL pod for a third off a subscription. Certainly worth checking that out more, Kate. Uh, well said. Uh, we're going to come back to domestic action in this country now. It's going to start north for this one in Manchester. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast with Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper. Well, how the mighty have fallen. It sounds harsh, but it's true. Into ninth place for injury hit Manchester City, who lost their third WSL game in a row for the first time in the history of the club as a professional outfit. West Ham's Daniel Brynjas Jotir scored first for West Ham in their 2-0 win against City and Hasegawa hammered in the final nail of the coffin in injury time. Um, Laura, we've got to start with you and it's a question that's that's sort of being asked so much, but let's get your take on it first of all. Um, of course, they've got a huge injury list, Manchester City, although they welcome Kira Walsh back for this game, which is which is some good news for them. But where are you at in terms of where it's going wrong for the side? Is it just bad luck or can we tear it apart a little more? Uh, Probably 
a bit of both, to be honest, Kate. What well, I can't, I'm really bamboozled with. I was at the Man City Everton game, start of the season at Goodison Park, and they taught less, uh, Everton a harsh lesson that day. You know, some of the football they played, the game management, the way they held themselves. You know, it was it was classy, to be honest, it, classy and a big tick next to that performance. Uh, I haven't seen them live since, but I've obviously watched their games and. Are just they're just a shadow of that on that day and on that performance since the first opening game. And I know they've lost a couple of players since then, Esme Morgan, Steph Horton. And, and I just feel like with the injury, you know, is that bad luck at the injury list or is it kind of the, what we were talking about last year in terms of the Arsenal and do, you know, maybe behind the scenes, the the team behind the team, is everything going, you know, the, the, that's information that we're not privy to. But, you know, Arsenal certainly were under that scrutiny last year, you know, could it be the said the same for Man City this year? But in terms of performance and on the pitch, I just think they're not a fluid team. We associate, you know, whoever's been the leader at Manchester City and who, whatever players are playing, when they've been on form, on song, they've been fluid, the rhythm, they control the game. It, it's good football to watch. But I look now and I just feel like it's individuals bringing their strengths and not complementing each other. And I know that happens because of how many it's disjointed and these players haven't really played together before as a team needing a win I don't know but and in performances they are creating a lot of chances and I just think they must be as a player I would be thinking when is this lot going to end because some of the things even going back to when they got knocked out against Real Madrid in the Champions League like some of the chances that were being missed that were it was on another day would, would be in the goal and I just I, as a player I would be thinking that well, that's the thing, though, Bass, because you say on another day, and there has been another yeah. day, and another <laughs> yeah. day. But one of the things that I wanted to highlight, Bass, is that there could be a stubbornness here to a few managers in this league who are trying to play possession-based football, and it looks lovely. I mean, we saw so much build-up, and I am going to bring Manchester United into this as well, because the game that I, I've done most recently was the game at St Andrews against Birmingham. And yes, they were 2-0 winners, but it was another occasion whereby there was some beautiful build-up play and, and work with the ball, but not the finishing product as often as you would expect. And what can we take away from Arsenal, who are storming the league at the moment, and Chelsea to a degree, is that they are not just content on playing with the ball. They don't mind going more direct when they have to. That happened in the game with Chelsea this weekend when Frank Kirby put that huge ball forward, a lovely looping cross that Sam Kerr got her head around the end of um, yeah. to score. And it's happening time and time again with Arsenal they're using that direct route and is there a, some naivety to some teams not waking up to the fact that these other teams are, are playing a directer route and getting results from it it's a really good question I think I think in the women's game now I think you see it in America I think you see it in our league more managers and leaders are becoming adaptable but I think when you're talking about Man City, I think it's ingrained in the club. I think mm. the style of play, the philosophy, I think it, the route goes a lot deeper than maybe at some of the other clubs who are, who are able to adapt, able to change. You know, you look at the way the boys' academy plays, the girls' academy, the women's, the men's team, it's it's throughout the whole club. So has has Gareth Taylor got the flexibility to do that? I'm not, you know, I don't I don't know. But what I would question, you know, and I know he's tried to put Shaw and Ellen White on the on the pitch together, is he is he making the best out of the players he's got available? Well, he played Jill Scott at centre back, didn't he? Which, you know, I don't know I, I mean 
you'll know Jill throughout her career. I, I don't think I've ever seen Jill Scott playing at centre back before. He could have used Ruby Mace perhaps in that instance. He, you know, he he is missing Lucy Bronze and Steph Horton. So of course their defence is a real problem at the moment. But I also think you need to credit West Ham for completely snuffing them out in in midfield. And that's why your forward three of Jess Park, Ellen White and Lauren Hemp were just completely isolated, Linz. Yes, they had chances at, at times, but I thought Ollie Harder's West Ham side did a cracking job using Brynjels Jotir and Hasegawa, the um, goal scorers, you know, working from midfield to really snuff City out. I actually think Harder got his tactics perfectly right And I do, I want to come onto that and I want to pay the credit to West Ham here because also they're a team that I think have made marked improvements compared to last season. I was listening to one of the West Ham players um, in an interview the other day and she was saying that they felt that they'd identified perhaps a lack of confidence within the Manchester City side, which is amazing really when you consider their pedigree. But, you know, West Ham rightly adapted to that. Gareth Taylor said at the end of the game, the City manager, we're in a tough moment. We're really in a tough moment. It will get better. We have to take responsibility. We need to score goals and don't concede at the other end. I know it sounds simple, but that's it. I would accuse him of oversimplifying that. For me, Bass, that's that's not good enough. You know, you can't just make that assessment at the end of the game. We need to score more goals and not concede at the other end. I think you're right about Lindsay. Maybe a bit of you directness. Say that after every game, can't you? That you that you well, lose. Well, yeah. It's just it just it just says to me. And look, maybe he's maybe he doesn't know what to say. Maybe he's not giving too much away. But what I'd like to see from Gareth Taylor now is a look at his personnel and. A different approach. Something needs to change Mm. and you may well have hit the nail on the head there, Lindsay, with that. Let's talk about West Ham briefly. I... I thought the way they turned over the ball in midfield was super impressive. And one of the things that I that I, has caught my attention is how much success they're having in getting possession off the other team. And it's something I'm not used to seeing with West Ham. Often they've backed off, haven't they, in, in seasons gone by, let the other team have the possession and try and do a counter-attacking move. And they've still got that up their sleeve, but it's the way they're hunting down the ball and, and they are hunting in packs. Um, I, I don't know what, what else has caught your eye, Bass. I think the physicality of this team, I think he's got important players back fit, uh, Svitkova, uh, Tamika Yallop was available to play after visa issues. Brynja Stotia yeah. was outstanding um, all throughout. Sissoko was back after, I don't know, she's been back, but she was um, suspended, wasn't she, at the start of the season. So I just think these core players, they add such a physicality. He's got pace in the right areas. Um, and actually... You know the, the formation and the style that they're playing are suiting the players. Whereas I think maybe maybe Ali Harder was maybe a little bit culprit of playing his formation, but he didn't have the players to execute um, yeah. how to play that formation and the style. But no, but I think Brynjels Dottier is leading by example. I think she's a real, real big coup from the the, the for the for first goal. Um, it was a city corner. She's won the ball at the top of the box. Then again, they've moved up the pitch, won it again in Man City's half. And then she ends up on the end of the cross. I just think with that tenacity, she's a game intelligence, got so much experience. She's, you know, spearheading that team and sending them in the right direction. With, of course, your Jilly Flatty, Kate Longhurst, who, who will know what the journey that West Ham have been on to get to this point. 
He's got that midfield really ticking, actually. A bit of a fact here from Jetty Parker-Humphreys, who's written her five things of the WSL up on the Offside Rule podcast website. She tells us that Brynjus Dottir has a non-penalty expected goals per 90 of 0.42, which is the second highest for a midfielder in the WSL. So that tells you a little bit about her mm. talent. She's also a mum as well. So big up the mum club. One for Bass and I there. But yeah, a <laughs> terrific hey, signing. Hey, don't you rule signing. out Billy. My fur baby. I'm a mum too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's move then to the top of the table. Captain Kim Little fired the Gunners to victory, scoring a 150th and 151st goals for the club. Wow. Aston Villa held them out for the first half, but Arsenal scored four in 41 minutes with Iwabuchi and McCabe. And that means that they do stay top of the table. As you already mentioned, McCabe's goal, which we can drool over further in this (laughs) section. Uh, But just from an overall point of view... Aston Villa managing to hold out as long as they did. Did you did you find that impressive? But when Arsenal turned it on, what did they need to do to stop the the flurry? Yeah, I was impressed by Aston Villa. I think um, I've seen them play five at the back before when they were leading um, Brighton the week before. The last 10 minutes, they put Natalie Hay on to go five at the back. So it was interesting that Carla Ward felt she had to do that from the start of the game. Um, but to single out the, the wing-backs and in Maz Pacheco and Liv McLaughlin, who's 16. Um, She has been playing in the WSL, but maybe in more central areas in midfield. But they had a tough job and they were sensational. And, you know, the concentration of Asante and Dow and Sargent was, you know, really impressive. Um, So it was, I think, I think a lot of positives can be taken to that Aston Villa team because I think Carla Ward would have been honest with them and realistic in terms of, we're not going to see a lot of the ball. You have to work hard. You have to concentrate. And also from the side, from their coach, you could hear a lot, stand up, stand up. So they were obviously spoken about not giving away any unnecessary fouls or set pieces against Arsenal you are of course you are going going to make those tackles and those fouls at some point because Arsenal are that good but I was really impressed with the the strong mentality and determination because a coach and manager can say that to you but for 11 players to go and execute that and to be to be so mature and to be so realistic and what they've got to achieve you know, it was was impressive that they can, you know, I think that's signs to come when they play those top teams. I think that they'll repeat that. Once Arsenal do unpick the lock, they then go on and go on a scoring spree. Is that something that you think other teams will be able to prevent at some point? Or is this just going to be something we see time, time and again this season? Well, it was his substitutions that were key in this game, I think, Lindsay. And so I think it's it's then difficult for opposition managers to predict what you're going to do. What was absolutely crucial, I mean, I agree about Villa in the first half, really good. Alicia and Dow, by the way, one of my players of the game for them in that central position at the back. She's been at Villa a long time, but she was excellent. And all credit to Carla Ward for providing, setting up such a strong back defensive line there. Um, but in terms of Arsenal, you saw Mana Iwabuchi come on at half time, and my goodness me, uh, did it make a change. She worked so well with Tobin Heath, who was on the left-hand side, for the goal. And with Mana, I think it's just the space she finds. 
Um, she just identifies those pockets of space. Uh, we had the goal, two goals from Kim Little in the end, but you did, I think, dramatically see a change. And and this is what's this is what's crucial. Okay, you know that I've predicted Arsenal to win the WSL. Did so before the season started. Have to get that in. And what's crucial to a title-winning team is that they've got different plans of approach. They've got backup plans. They've got plan A, B, and C. Okay, and here you're seeing Arsenal execute that plan, plan B, Iwabuchi comes on, they're frustrated by Villa in the first half, on comes Iwabuchi and it's a different approach and they start linking up differently and they achieve success. Kim Little was also fantastic in this game as well. So because of that, I think it's fair to say that opposition managers don't always or won't always know what they're going to get from Arsenal and that's such a good position for Arsenal to be in. Just before we leave this one, have to get both of your reactions to the lob. Katie McCabe, <laughs> clearly there was a mistake in the lead up to this, but you have to just appreciate the finish, right? Yeah, I know that you've picked this out already, Bass, but it was it was incredible from sort of 40 yards out. It was gifted by, Hammer, by Hannah Hampton, though. You're right about that, but let's not take it away from her, Bass. Yeah, I think Katie McCabe's still got a lot to do. Um, and the way that it didn't bounce until it crossed the line, um, yeah, it just she just made it look so easy and classy. So big, certainly being there and seeing it live was a big highlight. We won't ignore the fact that Arsenal faced Barcelona in the Champions League um, on Tuesday night, as we're recording this on Tuesday as well. Uh, we'll talk about that in more detail later on. We've got an Erin Cuthbert interview and that's coming up shortly. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast with Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast with myself, Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and former Lioness Laura Bassett. Okay, let's move on to the reigning champions, Chelsea and the ghosts of last year past didn't haunt the side as Brighton, the only team to take three points off the Blues last season, couldn't mount a big enough challenge this time round. Dan Carter's one goal was overshadowed by a record hat-trick of assists for Frank Kirby, feeding goals for Guru Wright and Sam Kerr and Bethany England. Uh, we've talked a little bit about why we love this game so much. Bass, give us your take on it. It's a shame to see uh, Brighton not get more out of it. But Chelsea, again, just looks so strong. Yeah, Chelsea really do, um, especially once they're in their groove. And like you say, like we mentioned earlier, the, the type of different goals that Chelsea are scoring, you just feel that you know, they're dangerous even when the opposition, they're probably at their most dangerous when the opposition have the ball, which is a scary place to be because then when they have the ball, we know exactly what they can do. So um, you just can't, you can't rest on your laurels or can't, you know, go into a comfortable phase when you play Chelsea at all. But all credit to Brighton, I thought, especially second half, they were a really, they imposed themselves really well. And I felt like they're shaking off the kind of tag that they had last year. I think they're, they're, they're a fearless side now. Um, and I think with some of the players, especially I must mention Aileen Whelan, who's playing more of a central midfield. Yeah. Haven't really seen her play that before, um, especially in the few teams that she's been at previously. It's more only been on the wide areas or up front. But I think it's really working for them. But they're hard working, they're hard to beat. And I think... With Hope Powell, I think she has a little bit of flexibility with, you know, the centre-backs, Kirk Dyke, Letitia, Williams. 
you know, I, I just think that they're finding they, they possess the ball really well. I think she's got them playing some really good football. And I think when Dan Carter, you know, you've got to remember Dan Carter still okay. She got last year, she got back from her injury, and then this year she's gone to a new team. I think I think when she's settled properly and got used to how her teammates play, um, I think she can certainly be notching up on the goals. If you take the second half performance, I think you can safely say, and, and Chelsea came out afterwards, both Emma Hayes and Frank Kirby, who'd, who'd I'd interviewed um, on Sky, were talking about how Brighton will get big points this season off off some of the bigger teams and they will be a difficult team to play but if you if you take the 45 minutes in the second half I think it demonstrated that beautifully they, they were great after the break I think Hope Powell will have been disappointed that the first two goals came from mistakes I mean the one from was the first one was from a throw-in where the players just weren't switched on enough quick enough um, and another from a poor pass and those are the things that we know Hope Powell doesn't like uh, to see you know if someone scores a worldie you can do nothing about it I think in the second half though you saw the quality that Chelsea have and something I wanted to go on record to say because I'd I'd actually said this to Emma in the interview was I, I read so often in pieces and interviews with players leading up to Chelsea games at Kings Meadow about you know turning it into a fortress and I said to her it's already a fortress isn't it and that is the one thing that Chelsea have in this league that I don't think anyone else has, which is this home form. It is an impossible place to go and to face Chelsea. They've made it into that. And I think they deserve the credit for doing so. All right. Well, enough from us. Let's hear from Erin Cuthbert, who started for Chelsea at the weekend. Lindsay spoke to her a little earlier. First of all, how have you felt about the season so far? We're four games in. Is it a good vibe at Chelsea at the minute? Yeah, there certainly is a good vibe. I think the international break came at a bit of a difficult time. We were just picking up momentum, so um, it could have been a sticky one against Manchester United and the girls went and got the job done and then a convincing win on Saturday again has, has set us up for the weeks ahead. We've seen how much Kings Meadow has become a fortress for you guys and you love scoring goals there. Um, Tell me about the fans being back because I haven't managed to get your reaction yet to that one-on-one, but they were so loud at the weekend. Yeah, it's it's great to have them back. I mean, being without them for a season has just made me realise literally football without fans is nothing and it's just not the same and it really gives you a buzz of energy, that extra marginal 1% that can really keep pushing you on, you know, especially when you're tired, that last 15 minutes when they keep shouting your name and it gives you that extra little bit of energy in your legs. So it's it's really helped us and, you know, they're really supportive. They're very loud. They're very vocal. They certainly make themselves known that they're there and that's exactly what we want every game. Here on the show, it's emerging for everyone that I speak to, pundit-wise, that a title shootout looks inevitable between Arsenal and Chelsea are are you accepting of that as well yeah but I wouldn't rule Manchester City out I think too many people have ruled them out too early you know I think when you're when you're chasing from the pack it's a dangerous position because when you're up at the front you've got a target on your back and I think if you're Manchester City right now you've got no pressure on you so you can just go and get results Um, yeah they're in a bit of a sticky period but we've all had that so um, and yeah, we're aware of Arsenal. They beat us the first game of the season so marginally. It's the gap is is so so close right now, and you know anybody can win it. It's just who's preparing best, and we've literally just got to take one game at a time. We can't look too far because 
you know, that's when that's when you have a hiccup in, in another game. So I think process orientated, taking each game as it comes is, is what's going to get us and keep us at the top. Talk to me about this right wing back role. How much are you enjoying it? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, you know what, it's different. I think um didn't prepare for it all season, which was funny. Um, in the pre-season, I was preparing in a different position and kind of setting myself my sights on something and having something to look forward to. And then I kind of got thrown in there against in the Arsenal game. Had the kind of, had the the incline that Emma was going to do it. She said at half time that she might do it. And I was thinking, oh no, oh no, something, something's wrong here. And then she put me there, I think at the 60th minute and the, the position felt pretty natural to me. I was still able to get the crosses in that I was able to do, but I was also able to contribute higher up the pitch. I think my game's, it's I'm a naturally defensive number ten, which so it kind of makes sense in a way. Um, but I've really enjoyed it. I'm taking it on my stride. I'm happy to learn whatever you know. Everyone calls me a versatile player. I think I played at number six against Birmingham in the last twenty minutes as well. But um, of course, I want to be good at one position, and I think that's a conversation that can be can be had with Emma at some point. But I think you're just happy to play. You know, I think it was a difficult year for me last year and. I spent a period on the bench as well. So, you know, just playing anywhere and being able to express myself is ultimately what I want to be doing. Do you envisage that this is going to be movable as the season goes on? Because I'm thinking of Marin Melder coming back into the team. Would that then enable you to go further at the pitch again? Hopefully. I mean, you know, I've just got to keep taking my chance and keep whoever it is that's on the bench at the team. You know, I... I wasn't playing due to concussion on against Manchester United and Neve came in and she she took her opportunity really well. So it's just whenever I'm getting the opportunity to make sure that I'm keeping the shirt. And I don't know what position that is. I can never tell Emma. I don't know what she's got up her sleeve, but I want to be keeping one of those starting 11 shirts. Do you like that responsibility that Emma gives you all? Because she literally, when you go out there, says, right now it's over to you. And she's spoken quite openly about having that approach she seems to be more hands-off during matches than in the lead-up. That's the impression I'm getting. Yeah, in the lead-up, she's very hands-on. She's tactical. She'll be grabbing players individually for for meetings on the board and she'll be using the pen to to pinpoint areas of weakness and where you should be and having individual meetings. And then when it comes, you know, to the game, she she is really standoffish and she just kind of gives you little snippets of information. She's got other staff there and Denise and Stuart who can also feed information on. Um, but certainly it's very intense leading up to games. She kind of leaves no stone unturned and we prepare for every game the exact same whether it's Brighton or this upcoming Champions League every game is is the same sort of preparation and I think that's what ultimately leads to is the same type of performances. We are recording this on Monday um, right now how are the squad feeling about facing Wolfsburg again do they feel a bit like that team that you're always inevitably going to play in the Champions League? Yeah I mean even since I've been in the squad for nearly five years now at the club I think I've played them more than six or seven times which is absolutely ludicrous to be honest with you um, and it's unheard of but I think it's it's exciting I mean they'll be after revenge if, if I was them um, you know I, w- I would I would come after us and you know we're going to really have to be at the top of our game we know what the Germans are like we see them in training we see them with Melly and Anne they're pretty ruthless and you know, they're going to be up for it and they're going to be ready. So we're going to have to be as well. But we need to, you know, play our game. I think it's really important that we need to play our game on, on Wednesday night. Having got to the final last season, 
do you enter this time with a bit more confidence, a bit more swagger? Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so, because I think against Wolfsburg last year, there was this stigma on the, in the back of our minds that we actually hadn't beaten Wolfsburg and we hadn't got through against them before but now we've actually beaten them now we're not now we know right we've got the confidence we've got the quality to go and express ourselves now and hopefully we'll we'll give it a performance which is really dominant and you know we we respect them at the same time but we know that we've got a lot of quality in this dressing room that we, we can go and attack them it's a busy time in the football calendar for you. You know, straight off the match from the weekend, you've got this one on Wednesday, then Leicester City uh, coming up as well uh, next weekend. So uh, is it going to be rotation and managing that and the way that you all slot in seamlessly? I think there will be a degree of rotation at some point because has made it clear that there is no starting eleven at Chelsea. There is, it is a squad, it is a squad effort and whoever Emma's going to put out, she... She gives full faith to, and we saw that against Birmingham. We now, you know, then she changed the squad against Brighton again. So we never quite know what Emma's going to going to do, but that's why it makes training more important, more competitive. That you are competing well and doing well in training, so that you are putting yourself in in the shot window to be selected. So I think you've just got to be ready at all times because Emma can throw you in. I mean, just like she threw me in at wing back, I've I've got to be ready and. Um, I think everyone's really pushing each other on the trainings. I've been more competitive than ever just because everybody wants to play. We're football players. Naturally, we want to play if we don't want to train. Well, that was Chelsea's Erin Cuthbert speaking to Lindsay. And interesting that she's not ruling City out for the title, something that I think probably the rest of us have done. Anyway, onwards and upwards to Spurs. Yeah, they're just above Chelsea, joining Arsenal at the top, um, who continued their unbeaten run with goals from Rachel Williams and Angela Addison. We have to say this, outfoxing the Foxes. <laughs> um, but Spurs unbeaten, who would have seen this, Bass? Yeah, I think, I, yeah, you're right. Um, not me, for sure. But I think you've, they've had a, a, a kind run in. Um, and then obviously the the drama and speculation what happened to Man City. But I'm not taking nothing away from Rianne Skinner and her players. I think they certainly have evolved from what they were last season. So all credit to them. We've given plaudits to Rachel Williams, I know. And I love the fact that she's reborn uh, in her role at Spurs at the moment. Rhea Percival also had a good chance. She should have made it 2-0 shortly afterwards. But her shot was uh, put wide. Um, there were a couple of chances for Leicester here. But it must feel really frustrating, Lindsay, for the side who've lost all four of their opening games. Yeah, you have to say that them, Reading, Birmingham... You're wondering where that first win is going to come from for any of these teams now, because we've seen enough to to get a gauge of where they're at. They have lost all four of their games. They face Chelsea next as well. Um, I think it's worth that's, pointing that's out. That's tough, isn't it? it Jonathan is Morgan, really their manager, says that they need to be mentally stronger. Is that something that 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 you'd identify, Bass? Yeah, I think so. I think you look at who they've recruited and it's a very little WSL experience and I, and I know I keep harping on about this but it's it's about riding out those tough moments being without the ball for a lot of time making making your moments count and it's tough to do that but without the experience that's where I think Brighton differ I think maybe they don't have for example I know they have international national team players but not necessarily England ones but they have a lot of players with WSL experience and that's key whereas I don't think Leicester have they've recruited well and got really good youth players potential um, there's probably Abby McManus 
off the top of my head. It was interesting for this game, actually, that Natasha Flint and uh, Paige Bailey Gale was on the bench, um, as well as Charlie Devlin, who is their attacking talent. Mm. They rely on, you know, Natasha Flint and Jess Sigsworth, um, you know, which on paper make a really nice pairing. And I know they started the season well linking up, uh, but it was interesting that they were on the bench, whereas... You know, maybe did he change his tactics and go for a maybe slightly harder working team, stay in the game till 60, 70 minutes and then bring on, you know, have have players to change the game rather than just letting it, you know, sail through. We're at that point, I think, at the bottom of the table where you're getting the fixture list out and you're w- working out when do Leicester face Reading, when do they face Birmingham <laughs> yeah. and vice versa for each That's of the teams point. because those could be crucial, getting points off each other for those three. Um, and there has been news coming out of the club as well. I mean, they are doing things in the right way at Leicester. As we know, the King Power has been brilliant to see teams playing there. And they've also appointed Emil Heskey as head of women's football development this week, replacing Russ Fraser, who left to join Liverpool. Congratulations to Emil and it'll be good to see what they can do there. Um, Shall we move on then to Birmingham next? Man United, this is the one that Bass has been waiting to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so on to maturing Man United who now go into a mouth-watering Manchester derby with a 2-0 against Birmingham under their belt. Leah Galton and Ella Toon scoring off two assists from Hannah Blundell. I really like the way that Manchester United uh, worked in this game, Laura, and um, I think it's a great comeback after that humbling by Chelsea last week. It's not easy, is it, to come back after a 6-1 defeat. Uh, I noticed that Alessia Russo had been put up front to replace Kirsty Hansen. She was, I think, one of the few bright sparks for uh, Manchester United against Chelsea. So I was pleased to see her start. But I think, you know, for me, again... Don't underestimate Leah Galton. I thought she was superb in this game. She scored her first goal of the season. She was in and about uh, the goal action as well. And I, I, I actually really, really like the way she plays. I really respect her as a player. Yeah, me too. I think if you look at it, our English talent, um, you know, Lauren Hemp's up there, Leah Galton. Apart from that, you're looking at maybe, you know, non-English players, Katie McKay, Guru Wright, and, you know, just roll off your tongue. So it's great to see we're talking about Lauren Hemp, Leah Galton, especially delivering on those performances. But yeah, I thought she was. I think she mixed up her play, went outside, came inside. Um, but you're right. I feel like Alessia Russo gelled, gelled the forwards together. I think she was the real link up between you know, Manchester United did spend a lot of time in the opponents in Birmingham's half. So it's about who can come and connect the play, you know, not making it too predictable. And I think Alessia Russo did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and also Ella Toon as well. You know, I know that she likes to pop a ball over the pitch and, and make things happen. And, um, you know, I think for, for one of the attempts on goal, you know, she nutmegs a player. So that's exciting to see, I think, from an English talent point of view. But certainly, no, I think both of those players, Ella Toon, Leah Galton, Alicia Russo, um, were certainly very exciting. And I was impressed with the way they mixed up their play. Forget the other half for a second, right? A moment for you to relish, Bass, as a former yeah. defender, <laughs> because player of the match went to Birmingham's Louise Quinn. Now we saw her, she was she was wrapped up in, in bandage around her head from the week before. She'd got the black eye, like we've mentioned yours many, many times um, from the World Cup in Canada. Um, she is giving it her all, isn't she? Yeah, she really is. And I played with Louise Quinn briefly at Notts County, um, and and she, I don't think I think 
her personality I don't think has changed, but her development of how she plays, how she leads, you know, her time at Arsenal, Fiorentina, now Birmingham. I think she is, you know, a real focal point to this. She's probably like the older mom looking after all the other players really trying to lead and show how to do it week in week out because the level of performance for her is is really good and I think you know I just think Birmingham need their best players fit all the time we saw Ewins have a great game at Everton Lily Simpkins who's a really young talented defender um, you know if she came back could maybe other players move in different positions it just gives you a bit of flexibility but I, th- I thought I saw in that game Harriet Scott Becky Holloway, Louise Quinn, Lucy Quinn even, um, the players with the WSL experience and those older heads perform the best and they're the gel to the team. Um, And now it's about finding the other players that can enhance those performances. Yeah, I feel like it's just about survival, really, for Birmingham. They have to get through this. They have to have to look at gotta how get they're going to contain. Got to get yeah. through this. <laughs> they have to look at how they're going to contain games as well as possible. Should we move on to our final game then? That's Reading. Uh, typical, isn't it, that when you play at home to a side like Everton, it's just when Everton are seeing a change in their fortunes. Yes, because it, it means Reading remain goalless, this 3-0 result to Everton. Uh, pointless as well. They're at the bottom of the table, propping up everyone else for now. Um, Everton, they wrapped up the game by half-time. Three goals from Anna Amvergaard, Claire Emsley and Dan Turner. So... I think it was a comprehensive victory, the fact that they managed to have this done and dusted by half-time. What what do we think about Reading this season, Bass? They, they bought in new players. They are an established outfit. They've had a manager in place for a very long time and ad- added a lot of experience as well. When I think of bringing in Natasha Dowie, but they also lost a lot as well You mean when you think about Farrah Williams and Anne Harrod-James. And what's the explanation that we can come up with? It's interesting, isn't it? Like, add, I suppose, Jess Fishlock to that. I know she was only on loan, mm. but, you know, they're, the players that you've mentioned, even like a Lauren Bruton, they're the type of players that you can just explain to them what you want from them personally in this game, how the team are going to play. They take it on board and they deliver it and, and solve problems on the pitch, like like what I was saying earlier. And and, and as a, for a manager, that's that's where you want to get to. You want those experienced heads. You want those players that love football, that understand football, and they're just game intelligent is on another level. And I just think because of the turnover in players, it's hard to recruit that type of players. Yes, the recruitment has been, you know, eye-catching, hasn't it, with Natasha Dowie back in the league, Diane Rose, who's done so well for herself. And you just think, OK, so... Combine that with Brooke Chaplin, combine that with Natasha Harding and Emma Harris, the young player. You know, they, they have an ability to score goals, but it's not just about that, is it? It's about staying in games in right moments. They, mm-hmm. haven't, they haven't recruited and replaced that. And it's hard to do. I, I really think it's hard to do. So I just think the timing of those experienced heads and those players that know football inside out, Farrell Williams is key. And that, you know, sometimes we've seen at other clubs, especially in men's football too, where losing that key player, it's took, it's took clubs years, you know, to to frame a new identity and to, you know, recover from losing that player and all that they bring. Mm. Well, it was a huge confidence builder for Everton who had been criticised in the opening few weeks but they've now got back-to-back victories and they will need that bouncing into the next match because they will take on Arsenal next and Reading they're hoping to turn their fortunes around against Aston Villa this weekend. 
This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast with Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper. We've got a few other lines to wrap up then from this week. The WSL UEFA and nine other women's leagues throughout Europe have put out a statement against having the Men's World Cup every two years. The statement says a clash with the Women's World Cup and potentially the Olympics would be profoundly detrimental to the women's game for several reasons, saying it would reduce the visibility and growth of the game, increase chances of injury and put a strain on resources. On to the FA Cup, and we were treated to some action midweek. Action from last year's FA Cup, let's keep reminding ourselves. We had no real surprises. Arsenal, Chelsea, I suppose with the form at the moment, Man City might be pinning a lot on this one. They all went through. Brighton also making the semi-finals for the first time since the 1975-76 season. So well done to them. Um, I don't know. What do we think about the semis, Bass? I'm going to say here, I'm, I'm going to out Sophie, the producer, who said that Arsenal will be the happier <laughs> of the big sides as they play Brighton. And I'm not sure I agree with that. But Chelsea facing City on the 31st of October. Aren't City the team you want to face at the minute? Well, I did have to laugh when those two were drawn against each other for the, I don't know, millionth time it feels like they all they always draw each other um interesting I, I can't if I'm being honest I can't see I'm going with an Arsenal Chelsea final I'm not too sure how they're going to play out in their semi-finals I, um but I, I think that those two teams will will go through I can't see any upsets to be honest We'll leave you with the final word on that one. I'm not even going to ask Kate. Sorry, Kate, we're running out of time. Bye-bye. Coming up this week, the group (laughs) stage of the Champions League kicks off on Tuesday and Wednesday, doesn't it, Kate? It surely does. Arsenal face Barcelona on Tuesday. Chelsea take on Wolfsburg at home on Wednesday. Tough games, you know, particularly for Arsenal up against the reigning champions, Bass. Um, But look, they're in terrific form. So if there's ever a time they're going to do it, this is it, right? Yeah, I can't wait for the game. I really can't wait. I think I've heard Adebayo say that um, you know they're fearless. So I really <laughs> want to see Arsenal go out and deliver that kind of fearless performance. So yeah, it should be a great tie. A note as well that the all-time top scorer in the Champions League, Ada Hedeberg, is back for Lyon after 20 months out with an ACL injury. I'm always intrigued to see how players return from those because they're they're so bad. But we know plenty of players in WSL that have come back and just just been as good. So hopefully that will be the same. Um, A tasty Manchester derby then coming up in the WSL this weekend with more as well to look forward to. Uh, Kate, what would you like to watch this weekend out of all the fixtures? Manchester Derby all day. I'm sure Bass will agree with me, right, Laura? Yeah, that's right. I'll be I'll be there with the, my distraction Sadie for the for the nerve. Oh, have you got Sadie in full <laughs> in full kit of you, Laura? Oh yeah, and um, she yeah. Unfortunately, she loves it. She sings the songs, and it breaks my heart. But she's so cute with it. But yeah, she's <laughs> and my my family, all my family, are so angry that she's not a Villa fan. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, she loves she loves the red of Man United. I'm afraid. We have our very own Super Sunday on Sky Sports as well. Chelsea take on Leicester in an early kickoff, and I will be at, and it coincides with the fact that it's also a fixture I'm really intrigued about, Arsenal against Everton. Because as I said earlier, you know, you've had these back-to-back wins for Willie Kirk now, but this will be a measure of where they are from that early statement when he said that they can disrupt the top three early on this season, Kate. We will find out, won't we, how close they are to Arsenal. 
Yeah, Brighton host Spurs as well. And this will be a really interesting game, actually. Two sides um, very much in form. It'll be interesting to see what the difference is between them. That takes place on Sunday. Uh, Reading against Aston Villa and West Ham against Birmingham also on Sunday rounds off all those fixtures. So that's where we'll leave it for this one. Bass, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. And good luck to Manchester United on Saturday. I hope Sadie's in fine voice. Uh, We'll speak to you soon, Bass. That's all from us. Uh, We'll catch you again next week. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly sponsored by NOW. With a NOW Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. The Athletic.